gentlemen, welcome to Marvel 30 Questions, Hawkeye 30 Questions. My name is Adam Portress, and I'm joined by Sweet Sean Kovacs from the internet. They brought up Katniss Everdeen, I couldn't believe it. And of course, Bruce Leslie. I hit the bullseye every time, guys. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is another Marvel show and another 30 questions for uh, you from us and from you as well because uh, we're unlike all the other uh, after shows and stuff out there if this is your first time instead of going through beat by beat and story by story part and going wouldn't it feel fun when they did this part every other place out there does that and some of them do a pretty darn good job but we've decided hey we're going to take the after show in a little bit of a different direction each and every week we ask 30 different questions about the show these questions can be about anything uh, so big spoiler alerts obviously for all of uh, all of the Hawkeyes uh, stuff that's out. We're going to be reviewing the first two episodes here, season or two episodes in season one. And uh, just, you know, like I said, they can be just about anything. And let's give you guys an idea of what these kinds of questions are. Started out with number one. Uh, did you guys have any expectations for Hawkeye going into this show? I didn't until I learned pretty early on that they were going to go with the Matt Fraction version of Hawkeye. And then expectations got a little higher. And then seeing that it was like based around Christmas, uh, super clever idea. And, and so I had, they weren't super high because it is Hawkeye, yeah. but it's, uh, but it was like, they were, they, they were, they were fairly high and they were met. I, I think that this is a, 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 a darn fine show. I had pretty high expectations, like not right off the bat, kind of like Sean said, but then I think the first leak photos from the set that showed him in the subway with pizza dog. And I kind of knew where we were going. And then some pictures of the trench coat mo- or not the trench coat mafia, but the tracksuit mafia. And yeah, I really started to get into it. Plus I like uh, the, the Kate Bishop actor, Haley Steinfeld, I think is, That's is correct. Mm-hmm. That's and uh, you know, I liked true grit, the remake that the Coen brothers did. And she's in that. And I also liked uh, Bumblebee. We seemed to enjoy that when we watched it. Mm-hmm. And I liked uh, the pitch perfect franchise and she's in the couple of those movies, I think. So I thought it was great casting. Like, uh, I I really think that the Kate Bishop character is a cool character. And like Sean said, I love the comic run that it's based on. So uh, once I saw that trailer, I think we talked about uh, at some point, maybe a couple weeks ago, once I actually saw that trailer, then this is. Yeah, you prob- were Looney Tunes for that yeah, this trailer, is, man. This has turned into the most anticipated I've been for any of the Marvel on Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I had no expectations. I don't think I ever watched a trailer. I saw a couple of the pictures and stuff that you know. Most you know, if you're in the world of nerdydom, you probably couldn't get away from seeing those at some point or another. Uh, but really, I had no expectations. Vera Farmiga comes on screen, and I'm like, "Say what now?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, all right, yeah. I'm on board with this." I'm like, "I'm I'm raring to go." At that point, I'm like, "Ooh, I might have a lot of uh, uh, interesting surprises on this show, having known you know nothing about it except for you know obviously the." Two two leads and everything like just like Bruce and Sean, uh, Haley Steinfeld, big giant fan. Uh, I, I knew that she was going to be something like it, during that true grit. When you saw her in that it was like, Oh, you got to watch this girl. She's going to be something else. And uh, she's continued to do fantastic work out here. So when she was cast as Kate Bishop, I was just like done. I'm already in for this as it is. And so, uh, but very low expectation to no expectations really going in. And so far I'm digging it. Let's go to question. Well, two. Me, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. One more, one more thing is that, you know, she does such a good job on the show that I think that from this point forward, all of nerd dumb will cast her in everything that requires someone who is her type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's going to happen for many years to come. I, I think that, that she does a, a, a fine job on the show. Need a dark-haired, kick-butt lady, and uh, I think yep. she's going to go to the top of that list an awful lot. And, and hey, yep. it don't hurt if you're a fantastic actor either. Yeah, Bruce, number two. Do you think Kate Bishop is the only little girl who ever wanted to grow up to be exactly like Jeremy Renner? <laughs> I like that I, it's Jeremy Renner specifically that she wanted to be <laughs> as opposed to Hawkeye. <laughs> terrific question. Uh, are we? Are, it depends on the Jeremy Renner we're talking. Are we talking Bishop Impossible, Jeremy Renner? <laughs> Because I would say no to that. What about uh, the born uh, uh, identity, Jeremy Renner? Uh, I'll, I'll, you think the entire time is, man, you really should want to be Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> you grow what up, about would... the tag, Jeremy Renner? Hey, tag Jeremy Renner is fun, Jeremy Renner, I always say. 
Yeah, he seems to be having a great time in that movie. But uh, no, I uh, I'm I've been a fan of Jeremy Renner and like and he but the problem with him is that like he needs the right vehicle. Like if if he's yeah. put into the right thing, he does fantastic. But if you put him in the wrong role, it just falls super flat. But that's why I've I've really grown into him being Hawkeye and everything because I ah. think that he's he's kind of the perfect actor for that role. I do feel like 95% of his facial expressions are basically saying, I do not appeal to children. So that's why it's weird that a little girl would want to grow up to be exactly like Jeremy Renner. You know, there's, there's a, there, not to age myself too hard here, but there was a Ted McGinley problem with him for a while where, you know, franchises that were on their la- last legs that they were trying <laughs> to give a boost, they would go, yeah. oh, how about Jeremy Renner? He's the cousin Oliver, the Mission Impossible series. In the Born Ultimatum series and probably yeah. some other series I don't know about. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I listen, he's 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 fine with, you know, mo- most most roles, but I, I think in Hawkeye it's 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 been so nice for him over the, like all the MCU movies to really make him kind of the most human and relatable character out of all of them. And I thought that that's always been a very strong point for that character is they go, here's a guy who has a fan. He's, he's a regular dude. Doesn't have any crazy superpowers per se. You know, it's just accuracy. That's not necessarily, it's not like you're mutant or anything. He's got a family. He's, he's, he's different than everybody else in, in so many ways. And I think that that just lends a lot of gravity to that character. So seeing him, in a spot like this uh, within this series has been fun so far. Let's go to question three, Sean. Number three, the hardest my suspension of disbelief got shook in this first episode was believing that Kate Bishop's dad in 2012 still had a goatee. Was it the same for you guys? Not only was it 2012, but it's Manhattan, and we're supposed to believe he's somewhat connected to the Manhattan elite and yet he's got the the old Steven Seagal going on. That's what I mean. Like, this guy wasn't, like, you know, he wasn't lifting bags of sand outside, <laughs> yes. you know? Like, he, yes. he, 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 ha- he comes from fabulous wealth, clearly. You don't live in that brownstone without being fabulously wealthy. Now, in the scene that he's introduced, though, the parents are having an argument that seems to be about finances. Do you think their financial problems are all because of the goatee? Oh, like, goatee based. This is an excellent no, question. I'm yes. going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> the family wealth has been squandered on goatee supplies. <laughs> goatee lubricant. <laughs> make sure you're shining, glistening for the cameras. Been, over there. That would have been a more believable argument also, is that they just get into this raging fight about how he still has a goatee. <laughs> or, or all you of are sudden, not the evil twin. That's what I was going to say. She just goes like, you're not my dad, and tries to rip off the goatee from him. <laughs> I'll take that um, joke. Number four, Adam. Number four, this one comes to us from Big Dave Movies. He writes in, Clint went to see Rogers the Musical with his kids. What MCU film or character would you love to see turned into a Broadway musical? And what would the standout hit song be? Big Dave Movies. By the way, I learned something about uh, old old Big Dave Movies uh, over here. Uh, he's kind of like a genius. He like worked for NASA when he was like a teenager and stuff. Nice. Get out of here. The, like, nice. He's, he's kind of like he's written more books than Bruce Leslie has. Like the guy, he's cool. He's got some good stuff on him. Dad. Him the wrong nickname. He should be October Sky. Should be his name. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Um, when when I heard there was kind of like a little musical thing in here, I was like, man, this is probably going to be crummy. I watched that thing and I'm just like, I would plunk down my money for that ticket. There is only one right answer to this question. The answer is Howard the Duck. And what would be Howard the standout the Duck, hit song? How, uh, anything which is like a pun on on duck and pluck and whatever rhymes with those two words. Well, if it's oh, if it would I, be, I got a recommendation. <laughs> that would be the that would be the standout hit of the show. It, you know. It, it's going to happen eventually that there is going to be a big musical. I would not put it past Disney that this was just a big flyer they threw out there. Like, wh- how will this? How will this look? Like, what will people say about this? And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to be seeing a musical based on Marvel properties on Broadway. But what I liked about it is like it didn't feel like they just brought in somebody to write kind of parody sort of stuff. 
it sounded like, you know, they, they sat down with people that were like, if we were making this, what would these songs be? How would they be arranged? What would they sound like? And I mean, and that it's of a quality of a, of a full Broadway musical, as far as I'm concerned. But Adam, think about one of the, you know, one of the best parts about uh, Captain America, first Avenger is his big musical show at the, at, you know, at the, the middle of the movie there mm-hmm. where he's not fighting anyone yet, that, that whole sequence of events where he's putting on the, the, uh, the USO shows, that is, that is an amazing sequence. And the music in that is amazing. It, they, they have the right people on the right things on Marvel. It seems. They, they try over there. They're doing okay. <laughs> so far. So good. Do you have an answer, Adam? Um, I, 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 I kind of like the idea of just like a, um, the Hulk, but more like, um, like Phantom of the Opera kind of style where the Hulk, I, okay, I, maybe, I, like I just, that. I just, that's pretty good. I just want to see the Hulk kind of sing. And then, you know, he is the, he's the monster that's kept away. I think that oh, might be. Oh yeah. I, I think it's that might be. really sad, like would be the standout hit song. Yeah. I think that really sad and down, downbeat. Yeah, and, and then he just smashes It ain't easy being again. green. That would be the standout hit song. <laughs> uh, number five, Bruce. How many episodes is this show going to have? I don't know the answer to that. It's either eight or ten. Uh, I should have looked this up. I've been busy. Good. So. I, was, I was hoping it wouldn't be, like, super short. Like, didn't Loki only have six, maybe? Uh, yeah, Hawkeye. Uh, Loki had six. Because I'm, I'm Hawkeye for a little... has six. Six. Okay. Oh, okay. six episodes. I guess that takes us. Well, I wish it had a couple more. I think eight would probably take us right up to Christmas. Well, at the same time, too, I think that's one of the big things uh, that we've seen with Disney Plus over the the varied shows that we've kind of uh, done, like thirty question shows on, is that they kind of are taking the smart approach of we're going to give you what you need. We're not going to give you more than this. It's not like the days where we have 22 episodes or even necessarily 12 episodes. If you only have six episodes, give me six killer episodes and, you know, and, and no more. I don't need fluff episodes. I don't need any Martez sisters showing up in my Hawkeyes. You know what I'm saying? Keep that bad boy flowing and, you know, Deep Star Wars cut. Yeah. Good job by you. Let them have it. But that's that's what I want out of it. I, I want quick and easy. And again, I think that um, a lot of these uh, series, especially kind of like the Marvel ones, are just extended big giant movies that, you know, you couldn't get somebody to sit down and watch, you know, a, a four-hour movie necessarily about Hawkeye. or They might give up in the middle of it. But this... Well, also, just adding characterization to this character, especially someone who is as human as as, as Clint is, like we said earlier on the show, you know, I think that he lends himself to that and having a family and, you know, it's, it's more for lack of a better term, it's more situation comedy than any other Avenger would be. And so, you know, he has to balance both things. And I think that that makes for an interesting six episodes, six hour uh, deep dive into this character. You know, I think that, and also having it play off where, it's him and it's Kate Bishop and, you know, you're going back and forth between their dual lives as well. I, it, it's going to make for a really interesting show, I think. And, and I'm, I'm really pleased with what we've seen so far. Number six, Sean. Guy asked Clint for a selfie is Clint's taking a whiz. What's the most inappropriate thing you've seen or that's been said to you in a public restroom? I feel like you're going to have the correct answer here, Adam. Well, I just, I, (laughs) can I tell you something? I flushed it today at work. (laughs) It was like, I walk in and, and like, you have that look of like some customer left something in the bowl that you're just like, uh, I don't know if this is going to go down. And, uh, it took three tries and it eventually happened. Uh, that, that's more of just, that's not, that's not people per se, but that was just the, the frightening thing that I had. That's my PTSD of, of today. Uh, what I don't like in bathrooms, that's, is the, I, you ever been to like the college football stadiums or whatever they have the troughs for the dudes? That's just, yeah, I, yeah. that's the most awkward and weird. I just, I don't like how anybody does anything in there. It's just the, the most bizarre thing. Hey, everybody let's get together and just kind of shoulder up beside each other and just kind of half pee on the floor. 
I, well, why are we doing this? What, what, what world are we living in? Are we cattle? No, thank you. I mean, I, I lived in the dorms. I lived in the dorms at college for about three years. So, you know, a lot of weird crap in the uh, public restrooms that the college dorms at Marshall University had at that time. We had very public restrooms. So a lot of it's gross. I don't want to get into the details, but it almost sure. certainly would have to be something that happened in a college dorm bathroom. I like the idea of very public restrooms. There's public restrooms, yeah, and then there's no, very public yeah. restrooms. You know, because I think <laughs> modern dorms, you have like like four little units that share a bathroom, but here it was like the whole floor, the whole hallway had one big bathroom that they shared. Uh, I think modern dorms, they're not as public as they were then. But it's like everybody showering at once. Thank goodness we had curtains. I spent went to a Kentucky State University for a summer program where they didn't even have curtains. It was just nozzles in the wall like prison. And can I <laughs> and can I say this? Uh people I who pure, were, I pure Tobias Funke'd my shower the first day I was there. I'll I'll admit it. People are who were in the bathroom as well. If if you're sitting on the can, can you please not play your cell phone or talk on a conversation on your speaker phone or like what are you doing? Who are these people? They need to be put in asylums. You're you're an insane person, and then and then half the time if they're talking to somebody on their Bluetooth, and then they're like, "Is this guy trying to talk with me while he's sitting on a can? What's going on?" These people are awful. The world needs to be rid of you. <laughs> I, I went to you know I went to to college pre cell phone, so there was a lot of people just singing because there were good acoustics in the stall. Oh, that's a different story. If you're you know if you're, yeah. you're belting one out, that's fine. But if you're if you're just listening we're belting to, one out while they belted one out. If, so you, if you're listening to uh, trap rap on the toilet, I don't know. I can't help you. This is beyond my pay grade. <laughs> Nothing makes the train go faster than singing The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Am I right? <laughs> okay, number seven, Adam. Uh, this one comes from Matt from Bristol, uh, Bristol, England. He Hulk uh, from our Patreon over here movie podcast. He writes in, Kate Bishop tells Clint that people don't want the cynical, cool thing anymore. They want a hard-on-your-sleeve sincerity, she says. However, Marvel has already given us this character development. Am I supposed to understand that in-universe, the public are not familiar with with Clint's character as we know him from Endgame is the Hawkeye we know essentially the one from 2012. Also, does his hearing does the, no, excuse me does hearing aid Hawkeye count as a cybernetically enhanced? Cheers, that's from Matt. I love the question, Matt. I think as far as being cybernetically enhanced, well, we'll have to wait and see if that's just uh, the same sort of hearing aid that exists in the real world, or if it's some shield issued hearing aid that we see him suddenly listening to conversations that he wouldn't, you know, using it like superhero hearing. So we'll just have to wait and see if it counts as cybernetically enhanced. But uh, yeah, I get the idea that when it comes to the the characters like Black Widow and Hawkeye, that they are the least public and uh, that probably nobody knows about what happened during Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, they don't even know that he was Ronan for that time. Yeah, I, I would I would go along with that. Uh, I bet the public I, thinks he was snapped and didn't because he didn't really come back as Hawkeye until you know in game. So they probably thought he was snapped. Hmm. Also, he seems like the like the um, he seems like him and 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 uh, uh, Black Widow are the two characters in that you know the New York the New York incident where it's like oh you know and the rest of them. You know, like you can name yeah. off Captain America and Thor and Iron Man and Hulk. And then there's the rest of them. <laughs> it's yeah. like the Gilligan's Island theme exactly. song. And exactly. the rest. Exactly. And there's only two more. Yes. You got to wait so until 10 years in to get your own television show. <laughs> it would imagine, I, I would imagine that it's probably something along the lines of like, oh yeah, we know who that person is. We just don't care very much. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, you know, he's like that fourth or fifth member of the boy band. You don't really right. go past Lance Bass when you're learning the names, you know? Well, and but that's also like as much as it was just kind of a fun, ha-ha, look at this, you know, Broadway play kind of thing. It was interesting. I'm like, it's a great character bit for him as well because you get to see this guy who is, you know, he's reliving this thing and he's seeing how other people see the events that he saw firsthand. I mean, I couldn't even imagine the idea of like, I mean, I got to listen. I have a, I have a book written about my fake life by Bruce, uh, <laughs> but so like I've got that, but like even that is a weird thing reading that book about events that like sort of or kind of like represent some things of me, but some certainly things didn't happen 
that were in that book. But it it is a str- so I couldn't imagine an entire production where people got together and just goes, "This is what we this is what we think about your life, and here's the whole reenactment, and we're gonna you know we're gonna treat you kind of like the world does. You're you're not Steve Rogers, you're not Iron Man, you're you're and Hawkeye. It, it, Num- and like it, it, it's a good for character development. This show. Go ahead, let's go to eight. Every time someone tells Clint that Hawkeye is their favorite Avenger, does he just assume they're lying? I mean, if I was Hawkeye, I would assume that people are just like, oh, you're my favorite Avenger. I'd be like, listen, it's somebody that says that to, uh, you know, like those autograph seeking people. And if you ask them like, yeah. well, what was that? What was my favorite thing that you were in or that I was in that you like? And they go, um, that last thing you did was like real good. It's like if you're in a bar and you run into Horace Grant, you tell him he's your favorite member of the 92 Bulls. He knows you're <laughs> lying, but you feel like you got to say it. Listen, well, man, I, everybody I, was Michael and Pippen. I was like, man, I'm a on a horse all day long. <laughs> I, I, got, Grant. I got two things to say about that. One is that he probably doesn't have a lot of people coming up to him saying that he's their favorite. So when it does happen, he, you know, he probably takes notice. The second thing is that much like Horace Grant, you have to have the mentality of, I am actually the star of this team in, in order to continue going. And so I would imagine that he probably has, uh, that that sort of like uh, un like uh, uh, unearned swagger of someone, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just to continue, because you would need it to be a guy who shoots arrows, where there's a guy who can you know rip the planet in half. Like you know, yeah. y- you would need to have that to continue working with the people you work with. And isn't like Horace Grant also kind of like Clark Kent? Like if he didn't have those glasses on with the band and everything, would you even know that that was Horace Grant? <laughs> Absolutely not. not. I don't think yeah. I would. I'd be like, oh, that's definitely. Not. But, but if he had the the glasses with the strap, you'd be like, ah, <laughs> that's Horace. <laughs> Number nine. Nine. What sort of lax rules are at that school where you can destroy the school's only clock tower and go home right away? Do you think she got off with a slap on the wrist? Because her main superpower is that she's rich. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not saying it's definite, but is there any chance that was the rival school's clock tower? And it was like <laughs> the week of the big rivalry match in uh, lacrosse or something. They, It felt like their school from the just, I don't know, the vibe. Maybe I'm, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It could be. I'm not saying that it, that's an impossibility, but it felt like probably their school. But I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be a rich thing because not only did she. <laughs> it's kind of like wrecking Forrest Whitaker's car and then you paint the rival school's graffiti on it. That's what she needed to do. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. She wasn't fast enough with the brush. That was her biggest mistake. But I, I don't know. It's like she she uh, nicked the bell and the tower. So it was not only just one thing. It was two things. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess money solves all of your problems. Nope. I don't know if that's true, but I'd like to find out. <laughs> like, yeah, give me let's some find money. Out. I got plenty of problems. <laughs> yeah, just, just lock me up with some of that money, will you? Uh, number 10, uh, this one comes to us from Bo. My wife immediately was immediately suspicious of Kate's mom. Do you think she's going to end up as a villain, a viable possibility given its Academy uh, Award nominee, Vera Farmiga, playing the role? That's from Bo from Austin, Texas. This is a great question. Uh, I think that... I think they're going to give her way more to do than what she's done so far. Uh, you don't, you, you don't get that lady in, in a movie or in your TV show. If you're not giving her something juicy to do. Um, but I can also totally see that character. I don't know if she's going to go full tilt evil, but I would imagine that she's going to put herself in jeopardy pretty fast. Um, just because the most evil man in the world she is engaged Yeah, it's to, like so. you, you're, you're shacking up with Snidely Whiplash over here. Like it I'm feels- picturing like uh, uh, Carrie Ann Moss in the, in the Netflix Marvel Universe. Like she's not exactly a villain, but she's villainous. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, no, I, I, I get that same kind of vibe coming from her. It's good. Yeah, but exactly when when she shows up on screen, like I didn't know the you know there would be the explosion or death or whatever, but it was just like you don't get her unless she's you know in this thing for a minute. <laughs> you know she's not going to be I'm showing up for one episode where I die in this explosion. No, that's the actor that's going. On. Dad, you knew was going to die. Mom, oh, you knew mom was living. <laughs> Number eleven, Bruce. Guys, which kind of invincible would you rather be, young? 
or rich? Well, I'm already the youngest man on this podcast, so I'm just going to say rich. Because <laughs> I'm certainly not that. <laughs> Making the same mistakes because you're young and stupid. At least I did. Yeah. Um, but rich, Richie, get to worm your way. Oh, I'm sorry. One more time. Uh, the internet Which isn't young bad. at all. We we say rich. What do you say, Adam? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely going rich because uh, you know you're, you're young for only so long, and eventually you are going to get old and uh, kick the bucket. But uh, rich, you can at least have fun. You can be young and poor. I've been I'm been young and poor. No, thank you. Just give me some. Uh, the, me- the problem with being young and poor is you figure you'll be rich later. Like you don't yeah. really do things right now to get rich because you figure you'll be rich later, and the next thing you know, you're old, and and, and it didn't always happen. I saw I saw a video on the internet this week where like this girl, like somebody asked her, she's like, hey, 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 how much, how, like, what's your net worth? And this girl, she's probably like early twenties and she just goes $20. And she goes, you have $20 to $20 to my name. She goes, uh, you know, are you ever, you, are you planning to make it rich one day? She goes, yeah. It's like, well, okay. Uh, what, how are you, uh, how rich are you going to be? She's like, I'm going to have $50 million in 10 years. I was just like, yeah, good luck with that. I thought that was the most amazing, like, I'm like, good luck to you. But twenty dollars to in in ten years you're going to go up to fifty million. Talk about a talk about a plan. I mean, it's a weird thing about being young. When I was like fourteen, thirteen, or fourteen, I lived in a place in time where we still played Monopoly at that age. And one of my friends was like, "When we all grow up and we're rich, let's play Monopoly with real money." And we all thought, "Yeah, we're just going to grow up and be rich just because we want to be." So yeah, I'd rather be rich than young. Break out those five hundred dollar bills. Uh, number what twelve? Yes. yes 12. Number 12. If you were dating someone, wouldn't you at least introduce them to your kid before you got engaged? You think, you think this is, this is the thing that made me, uh, that, that made me go, what, what, what is happening here? <laughs> this is the one part of the show where I, like, it was just, just but, the, the deniability of all of this made me crazy. But I think why like shows like Arrested Development or soap or even soap operas. But the reason that like really, really rich families make for such good fodder for drama and comedy is because every single member of that family has been able to live a life in which they can be the center of the universe and to see that interplay between them can be entertaining. So if they're like Manhattan elite, I could almost see you think of your kid sort of like you would think of, a person that you sat next to in class in the eighth grade. Like, yeah, you know them and you say hi to them when you see them, but you don't really care about how they feel. Like that's having never been in high society. I kind of imagine that's how they uh, approach one another. And it gets you separation from those characters as well, because you're, you, you look at them and just go like, wow, I can't relate to that. That's nothing like me. How could you do and this? And questions like this come up of like, how on earth could this possibly like be a, a thing? I feel like it's a thing that, like, if you're on the bookends of social status, like really high end or really low end, you'll get engaged without introducing your kid to the person. Like, I think anywhere in the middle, you don't do that, but you get to those bookends, and it's like a rich <laughs> Ex- man, poor man exactly. thing. Exactly. No middle class person's doing that. That's just rich people <laughs> and poor people. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, 13. Was the explanation about Hawkeye's hearing loss good enough for you? I loved it. I thought it was a great, I, you know, having the explanation be uh, a couple of different because she says, "Oh, uh, when did, I, you, I get, why, why did you get? Why did you get hearing aids?" Is that her question? And 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 they just go through all the explosions he's been through. And he goes, ah, "A couple different reasons. I can't really nail Brilliant. it down." <laughs> Move on. Fantastic! Now, fantastic. And, and I thought that the sequence was pretty, pretty good. It, it worked for me. The humor of it worked, plus it ties in. But I don't know. I just wanted to ask if you guys sort of knew the comic book reason, the behind-the-scenes reason that Hawkeye has a hearing aid in the comics. No. I don't know. And I might be conflating this a little bit. 
but it boils down to a kid with a hearing aid asked Stan Lee, why don't any superheroes have hearing aids? And Stan Lee said, oh, they do. Hawkeye has a hearing aid. And Hawkeye's like, what? You just, you just shot yeah, me in yeah, the ear. Like, <laughs> like I, he said, oh, Hawkeye has a hearing aid or Hawkeye wears a hearing aid. And then it was like, oh, crap, we got to scramble to give Hawkeye a hearing aid now. <laughs> and like it maybe popped up in an issue or two. And then like people just kind of let it go. And then uh, during the Fraction Aja run, they brought it back in. But yeah, I think that's the story behind it. He's a lot more interesting if he's got a hearing aid. Yes. I, yeah, and I do like the uh, just turning it off, not to have to listen to the musical. It's just like, well, I was uh, I was there. What are you talking about? I don't brilliant. Need, I don't need any brilliant. So, I, such a good bit. I feel like a lot of dads would use that for some things of just going like, oh, here we go. I have known people in my personal life that do that with their hearing aids. <laughs> well, my 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 dad can uh, well he doesn't do it. He just doesn't put them in and can't hear a damn thing. Bruce, fourteen. <laughs> Are you supposed to feed dogs pizza? I don't know that you're supposed to feed them. I suppose that you could. I've always heard that uh, the tomato sauce and tomatoes are not good for dogs. I uh, I give. Uh, the dog that is lying right next to me right now, I give her my, uh, like, like bits of my crust and she I mean, seems to be doing the just pizza fine. dog gets like full on pizzas. That is true. I, I'm just trying to do a public service announcement. I, maybe it's perfectly fine to feed dogs pizza. I've just always heard you're not supposed to give dogs pizza like the tomato sauce part. Now, if it is okay, my dog's going to be pissed when he finds out because I've been telling him he can't have any for you've been doing nine what? years. <laughs> <laughs> you lied to me the whole time. I, I could have been eating all that pizza. I sniffed around that trash can. I saw everything you threw out. I don't want a bunch out. of dogs with like heart problems because they eat too much tomatoes. This this might be worth a Google here. I thought maybe you guys being dog owners would know. Listen, you just put a little Pepsi AC in your uh, dog's water there. You're uh, A-OK good to go as far as I know. You're also a dog owner too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what are you talking about? We all have a dog. And I was asking this thinking you guys would say, oh, no, we need to let people know not to feed their dogs pizza. But now I'm wondering if maybe I should have been feeding my dog pizza. See, here's the my diff- dog gets all kinds of pizza bones. Here's what she gets. <laughs> yeah, the pizza bones, but they're, they're giving the full-on pizza to pizza dog here. I will okay. say this. According to uh, Hills Pet Nutrition, the bottom line is that you should never give pizza to your dog. You can't trust those a commies. Treat. No, I don't. I don't believe that. I, the, I will say this. Here's the rules that I think that you need to follow when giving a dog pizza. I think it needs to be bare minimum room temperature, but probably like right out of the fridge is probably best for them because it all kind of congeals together and a dog could eat that. I think the easiest and leave the least amount of mess. You certainly don't want a dog eating hot pizza. Oh, it's not the uh, it's not the uh, tomato sauce. It's the garlic that can get them. Oh, so you just got to make uh, a bland pizza. Well, then you're eating a bland pizza, so I think you don't want to lose on that one. My yeah. dog is 15 years old and still runs around, so I think we're doing okay over here. So a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your dog's intestinal nutrition, Sean? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to give her an 8 on this bad boy. My <laughs> oh, dog, good job, then. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah, My dog hasn't great. eaten pizza at all. And he's like a two at best. So yeah, maybe that's the problem. He needs more pizza. We're gonna start. I'm gonna give some. I'm gonna give Bronson some pizza. We're gonna start out with Red Baron. I don't want to give him nothing nice to begin with. You know, just see if he likes that well enough, and then we'll kind of move on to to bigger and better things. Fifteen, Sean. Fifteen. There's some fun Jackie Chan stuff going on in the fight scenes in the wine room. Where do the fight scenes land for you? Better than the opening of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm going to say not better than the opening, but mm-hmm. better than the overall product. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm only two episodes in, so maybe maybe I'll have to to wheel that back a little bit. But I like the consistency of it because Falcon and Winter Soldier, though an excellent show, the fight scenes were a little inconsistent. They seem to be pretty consistent in what I'm getting here so far. Because yeah, you know, that opening it goes beyond just the wine cellar. Yeah, that opening fight scene in Falcon and Winter Soldier is like you know. One of the best, I agree. But the, everything else kind of isn't in the same ballpark as that. Yeah. I think uh, I liked a lot of that scene and stuff. One of the big things that I really applauded on that is these guys getting hit in the head with these wine bottles, and the wine bottle's not breaking most of the time. 
because that is what they would do. Your head is a soft little squishy thing that if hit by this old, especially if they're older wine bottles, because those bottles were made even thicker and, you know, by, by and large, uh, you get hit in the noggin with that one, boy, you're going out. And so the fact that these things just didn't shatter and we had a whole bunch of, you know, fake candy glass being shattered all over the place just because it looks good, they got us the more realistic kind of clunk on the head and then they're out. I like that. Yeah. Yep. And we didn't have to ruin any fancy wine on account of it. That's, you know, that's a good thing, too. <laughs> yeah, if the wine bottles are full, they probably hurt even worse. Yeah, no. boy, getting, a, getting, a, get, getting, getting the bottom of a wine barrel thrown at you and hitting you in the head, my word, that's going to hurt. Number 16 is just kind of forgetful, a great character weakness that will uh, lend well to a story. Because I feel like that's the only thing that we've seen so far of Kate Bishop. She's kind of forgets a couple things. She's a little bit flaky, but, you know, she seems to be pretty darn good at just about everything else. I don't even know uh, if she's kind of forgetful. I think it's just like that stuff doesn't seem important to her at her age yet. I, I think that that's kind of a flaky, perhaps a, a maybe generational a character trope. Yeah, I would also say that she's also not as, I mean, her big character flaw is that she's not as great at everything as she thinks she is. Mm. And that makes for a far more interesting character than somebody who's awesome all the time. You know, I know that one of the big knocks on Ray in the, in the sequel trilogy is that she just knows how to do everything all the time. Uh, I love the character of Ray, but I, I think that this character is far more flawed than Ray. Yes. I think and it's so, <laughs> one of those cranky old millennial writers taking a jab at Gen Z. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it, there, there is, but I, I think you're right, though. Having that character, and I, I didn't quite think of that, but that, that really is a good point, is that, you know, she thinks that, like, oh, I've got all this stuff down. I'm really good to go. And even he's just like, man, listen, you're you're not as, it's, it's great that you have all these little things. That's lovely. But you're not, you know, you're not this Avenger level type of character. Just because you, you fell in love with me when you were, you know, 12, seeing me, like, be a BA shooting, you know, uh, Chitarians while I was falling down through the sky. Sure, that's all cool. But you ain't that you're just you know a rich girl who had access to all of these you know like you know taekwondo classes or whatever the heck they were doing right number 17 bruce is it strange that no one commented on the giant bow that kate was carrying in that bodega or that convenience store <laughs> it's the lightest arms that's been in that store all week so they're just like <laughs> let it go it's fine <laughs> It would have been great, though, if somebody would have asked, oh, are you going to the LARP or something like that? Because it would have tied in. Uh, I, I, I just got to say, I'm, I'm not one to talk to strangers in a convenience store, but I see somebody with like a what looks like an English longbow from the Battle of Agincourt. I'm going to ask about it. So what's up with the uh, what's up with the boat there? Huh? You going to rob this lady? What's going on? <laughs> I, like, I hope you play the cello and the rest is out in the alley because which is oh, playing William Tell in here, yeah, Robin Hood. It's, it's one of those. It's one of those one string kind of bows, or you just play back and forth. It's not really great musically, <laughs> but you know, it's it's cheap to string. I but I I like the idea that this is also like that same kind of universe, like in Kill Bill, where the bride just rides on a plane with her samurai sword, and everybody's just like, "That's fine." Yeah, it's like you can go to a convenience store if you, as long as you, you know, if you're wearing the the appropriate accoutrement, then you're fine. I think it to I think it mostly depends on where you're at. You know, I, like you go into Walmart sometimes, and I, I could totally see somebody with a with a damn bow, like walking around with a bow, and people just <laughs> yeah. being like, "Look, I'm just staring clear of this person. All I need to get is some Oreos. I'm leaving." <laughs> like I could totally see that happening, especially it's New York, you know. I'm like, not trying to get no one, shot up by a crazy person. I, I guess I just, right. the thing I think is in New York, space is at a premium, so people are usually packed in tight in places, and that bow would just be poking and bumping into people. Listen, It'd if be you, like, what are you doing? Get that out of here. You throw in a bunch of her knocking stuff off of shelves with the bow in a lot. Like, I, I, <laughs> yes. I'm, I like yeah. all that kind of stupid old-timey comedy. It still, it still yeah. hits for me. It would make it a lot better, too, and more realistic. <laughs> totally agree. 18, Sean. How many times would you cut yourself on a retractable sword? All of them, I think. Because <laughs> I think I would only cut myself once, but it'd be really bad. <laughs> it's the worst. It would be the last cut I ever had, perhaps. 
I like I like this idea of this sword just being retractable and everything, and that you could put this like awesome looking thing right in your jacket pocket and run away. I thought that was I, I think it's such a, a neat idea. The reason why I ask is because I have a great pocket knife. It is amazing. The problem with it is uh, it, it, it has become loose the way that I like it. And so uh, let's say twice a week, uh, I cut myself to the point where I'm like, I got to get a new knife. <laughs> so when you have, when you have a, a, something as cool as this sword, you're going to misuse it from time to time. It's just human nature. You're losing a finger. God forbid you lose a thumb on that bad boy. But that thing, if you own that thing, it has tasted your blood on more than one occasion for sure. <laughs> and one of the problems is there's no hilt. So you're like you're bound to get your hand at some point. It's just it's begging for it. Yeah. Number 19, this one comes from Marty. Are we going to see a major death this season? Clint, Clint's family members? What do you think? That's a we are more question. Like- I think we're more likely to see Clint die than his family. The The family isn't going anywhere at this point because we've, we've already seen what that looks like. Yeah. So it could be Clint, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know for certain. I would think that they, they're probably not going to kill him off. You know, there, there hasn't, it hasn't been said either way, whether he's ever going to be in the Marvel universe again. But I think that quite honestly, they need him. Uh, especially yeah. after putting all of this time into this character now, you know, at the end of these six episodes, you're going to want him, even if it's just on a, uh, like a training capacity to, to ha- you know, teach these kids, these kids, how to be better <laughs> Avengers. The Hawkeye turns to Edward James almost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say if they didn't kill Bucky, because I felt like that really would have suited his character arc. If they mm-hmm. didn't kill Bucky in his show, I don't think they're going to kill Clinton. This That's one. a good yeah. point. That's a very good point. I didn't think about that because that was one that everybody was just like, it feels like this is where this character could go. You're finished. You're done. But no, and Marty, I, I predict Pizza Dog is going to die this season. Listen, oh man! Well, here we go. Can't <laughs> kill the dog, uh, especially if it's got one eye. It's like if you think people feel bad enough about a dog dying, give that dog one eye. What? What if the dog can't hear or taste food? Then, then it's going to be even worse. <laughs> Number twenty. How do you guys feel about the Christmas vibe of this show? I love it. I really do love it. It, you know, especially at the time that it came out, it's kind of perfect timing for something like this. Also, it's one of those things where when you are a nerdy nerd, I mean, think of us with, with our, our main show, you know, our main feed, like how rare it is to have a Christmas nerd thing. You know, there's yeah, not too, too many to of those. <laughs> and so to have one, it's pretty great that, you know, for the next, we're going to have six hours basically of this awesome Christmas thing. Like it's pretty great. I, I, I really do love it. And there's, and there's no denying that there's a certain, you know, romanticism, romanticism about Christmas in New York of all places as well. It's very like, there's so many iconic things and they talk about it in the show itself. It's like, Oh, we'll go see the tree and all the skating rink and all that kind of stuff. It is, uh, you know, so iconic of Christmas seeing so many movies and TV shows and stuff. And to come out at this time, it is. It's kind of perfect, and I, I, it's so much better so than it would if it like came out in June. I'd be like, okay, I always hated when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Number twenty-one, Sean. Would the bidding be that high on a vigilante sword that no one knew who they were? Would it be like someone bidding on Phoenix Jones' mask? <laughs> well, here's what I think. I think we're, they're talking about the vigilante uh, who was killing members of the underground. So it'd be like bid, bidding on Phoenix Jones' uh, mask if his kill count was in the 20s. I see. Yeah, that's So fair. I think the more realistic... Uh, who was that subway shooter that uh, Death Wish was kind of based on this real right. person? Like, imagine if they auctioned off his gun. Yeah, I could, I that's could pretty see good. That. Bernard Getz. That's the guy's that's name. Right. I was looking yes, it up. That's right. So imagine like if they were auctioning off Bernard Getz's gun. 
some weirdos, especially like rich weirdos, would probably pay a lot for that Smith & Wesson Model 38, apparently. Phoenix Jones held one man in like in one place until the cop showed up for 45 minutes. He held him right there. How? Where do I start this bid? $5? Who wants to buy a Phoenix Jones mask? $5. Yeah, you know people would be bidding on like Jack the Ripper's knife and stuff like that. You got to think of it in those terms. Yeah, he's he's like he's a, he's a famous uh, killers in in this fancy world. Twenty two on a scale of zero to Sean. How much do you hate adult LARPing? What what does that mean? Uh, zero to me. I feel like you hate LARPing with the utmost passion of a thousand sons. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yes. Um. I, well, I, look, man. If if it makes you happy, I don't care. <laughs> I, I'll never do it myself. Exactly. But like, you know, it's fine. See, I, you yeah, want to LARP, do it? Go ahead. See, I LARPing know. for me is like a spectator sport. Like, I really enjoy going over to the park and watching other people with their, uh, you know, they have the big foam uh, pugil sticks that they sort of sword fight with and stuff. I really enjoy just going over, hanging out, and watching them have a good time. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even wanting to get hit in the head with a Nerf weapon much you know so i'm not going to partake but yeah i'm not going to yuck their yum so I, I guess that makes me a five or something no you yeah that, and that's fine like like i said anybody's free to do as they wish i i, I don't yeah. care and if, if you have fun with it god bless but at the same time i mean it's the same thing with like civil war reenactors or war reenactors of any type it's like all right i, I can see how i can understand how this would be fun but boy oh boy do i not want to be a part of it yeah yeah i love to ask a couple of questions i don't want to know too much but I like to ask a couple of questions. I like to see the cool costume, the replica weapons. I like to understand what rules are going by. But I'm not going to actually, you know, compete. Question number one. Uh, would you like I to see me care. on the side giggling? Would that bother you guys too much if I was just giggling all while you're doing this nonsense? No, I, never I mean, Adam, Adam my, here's, my, here's my thing with this. Is that, like, I, look, if you need a duck-billed platypus to get down, great. But don't ask me for my duck-billed platypus. Like that's that's <laughs> how I am one? with everything. I thought I, I was the only guy who had one of those. I do. It's a mammal. Oh man, my neighborhood had a big argument over whether or not marsupials were mammals, and I laughed really hard. And, and before anyone writes us in, they're illegal in the continuous forty-eight. Okay, back off. All right, uh, twenty-three. Number twenty-three. Could the timing of the tracksuit mafia guy shouting, hey, Kate Bishop, <laughs> through the window have been any more perfect? It's pretty amazing. Uh, and, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I always forget about Jeremy Renner, because when he is serious, he is so self-serious that it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about his, his album when he's instances. But he, <laughs> is very, he can be very funny also. And so having that timing and that look, because he has side glances. He's really great at the side glance. Yeah. And when they when all of that goes down, it, I laughed out loud. It was very funny. Yeah, I thought that was the best comedic uh, uh, part of what I found a very enjoyable uh, comedic through line. Yeah. 24, Sean. Is there anyone more high-status scumbag in Hollywood right now than Tony Felton? Uh, who plays Vera Farmiga, uh, her, her uh, fiancé on the show. Is, yeah. is it Jack Duquesne? Is that the character name? Yes. Uh, then yes. The only, the only, he's, he's not working as much these days, but when I think of uh, beautiful Hollywood scumbags, uh, Dennis Franz is at the top of that list. Oh, that's a good call I, there. He's Adam. pretty good. If you like any, like all the Brian De Palma films, Psycho Two, mm. every he is just a the scummiest, dirtiest, disgusting man there is. And God, I love him in all of those roles. But you know, one of the things that I love about uh, Tony Felton is that when he smiles at you, like as, when the character smiles at somebody. There's something so snake-like about the actor that it, it means it basically means oh you're a dead man like <laughs> when he smiles at somebody <laughs> yeah you know his his uh, his character on Better Call Saul is one of the one of the standout performances on a show that's just all standout performances and so to see him in something else is such a joy and such a treasure because it's like oh man I I gotta put this in a tiny box I love it. 
Let's go. 25, Adam. 25. Hey, uh, this one comes to us from Joe. Hey, guys, is that time slash space GPS, or is that a watch or just a watch? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. Nanotech, happy holidays. That comes from Joe. What's this watch that we're trying to get at? It's the, isn't it the one that they use to, to go back and kill Thanos with? Is it one of those? I think it's, I don't think that's what it is. It's Maybe not a chrono it watch. I thought that it was. That's Maybe just it what is. I, took I, it as. I think we're going to find out the importance of that watch as the show goes on. Or maybe I would I'm certainly wrong hope so. That. I would certainly hope we would find that out. Yeah, because one feel thing's like- for certain, we haven't seen the last of this Hawkeye character. <laughs> yes, I think this but, dog yeah. might show up in another episode. Maybe it is just a Chrono Watch, and that's what they were going there for, and it was just a MacGuffin to get him to cross paths. I don't know, but I feel like it's probably going to be important to Echo or something like that. It's just a citizen's watch. It's fine. It's it's all right, you know, nothing too fancy, but not a piece it's of got garbage. got Echo Drive on it. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a tag her. <laughs> Number 26. At the end of the season, do you think Clint will go back to the LARPing just for the love of it? See, like, is that the stinger at the end of the last here's episode? Here's the thing. Bruce is a silly question asker a lot of times, and I love him for it. And this is one of those, but at the same time, too, I look at this question, and I was like, you know, maybe. I feel like that wouldn't be too bad because, like, they kind of left it there, you know, where the guy's like, hey, here's, here's this is my name and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it, I wouldn't be surprised. I like it. And I don't ask this as a stupid throwaway question. Like, I could see whatever happens wraps up. And then we see like a, a title card that says three months later and they're like in this dark place and you can't see who Clint's talking to. And he's talking about how many they got and what we got to do if we're going to get out of this alive. Then you see him charging out with like the foam rubber sword and his kids are with him and they're all LARPing together here in New York. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I also think that, you know, you've already set up something with the guy who gives him his costume back, the running costume back. So it wouldn't be, I'd be surprised if we didn't see that character. Can I say this? I am happy that that character was like actually true to his word and everything. I was like, man, if this piece of garbage is, if we're going to go down another rabbit trail for this thing, for this dumb costume. And the fact that he was just like, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I like you a whole bunch. Here's your stuff. Have a great day. I was like, huh, who'd have thunk it? Especially, yeah, me- but honestly, you did have a little bit of fun, right? Like the way he's kind of making a point of seeing if Clint had fun made me think he's actually going to go back and have fun before the show's over. Yeah, give me give me Galaxy Quest nerds over uh, Big Bang Theory nerds any day. Oh, for sure. Twenty-seven, Sean. Twenty-seven. Do you think Clint is a good father? He might have a good attitude around his kids, says funny things to him, but. How do you not know your kid's favorite thing about Christmas? Sean, do you think I'm a good father? Like for real? <laughs> I do. No joke. Sure. No, I do. Yeah. I, I think I'm a pretty good dad. I don't know what my kid's favorite thing about anything is. When they're young, it changes every 15 minutes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I think, I, you know, I think of everything in the terms of my own experience at this point. And, you know, my with my girls, I know I, I know exactly what they you know, what their favorite things are for Christmas. So you're right. It does change. It varies wildly when they're younger. I forgot. And, you know, it's just a, a sometimes individuals, like, I don't know what my favorite thing is about Christmas. Like my favorite thing about Christmas, I would have to struggle to tell you, but other people would look and go, oh, you like this? And I'd say, you know what? You're right. That is my favorite thing. So sometimes well, it's just the way you're wired. <laughs> favorite thing is snow. I live in the South. There's no snow. Oh, there you go. That's how Christmas. No. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that ultimately he is a, he's trying to be a good father. I think at the same time too, we see from his character that he's always kind of been pulled in multiple directions. He knows that he has, you know, obligations and things that he needs to do or you know, however you want to kind of phrase that. Uh, so he is trying to balance his kind of, you know, superhero-ly duty, if you will, and family life. But I, I feel like he certainly wants to be a good dad. I mean, he wouldn't be on this trip, you know, with the kids having this kind of, you know, father-child time if he wasn't trying to be a good dad, at least. Well, trying, yeah, and trying is half of it, quite honestly. So I think that, uh, you know what? You've changed my opinion on Clint. Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of dads a- out there don't even try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say he is. So you guys have changed my mind on this. Thank you. 
Number 28. This one also comes to us from Big Dave Movies. He had like a slew of great questions this week. Uh, Kate has become the best archer of her generation after being inspired by Hawkeye. If you could be the best in the world at something based upon seeing a superhero in action, what would it be? I'd have to oh, say Wolverine boy. just for the quote. What I do isn't very pretty, but I'm the best in the world at what I do. Yeah, that, that it'd have to oh, be I thought you're, for the quote. I thought you were going with the quote from uh, X-Men First Class. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be good, too. <laughs> uh, you know, man, this really is a good question. Um, you, you know who has their stuff together? You know who's really got it figured out is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman has it all figured out, you know? Like, uh, she's been, she's been in, in man's world for a hundred years. No one knows who she is yet. She's always saving people and everything. And, and you know, she's like, Hey, I got to knock out that security camera. So nobody knows it's me. That sort of thing. I, it's wonder woman because she's able to multitask a lot of things at once. She doesn't feel like she's got and a lot of hangups. She's got a lot of money, so, but, but she's not showy like Batman, you know, like she's, she's, she's very cultured at least in the movies she is where, you know, she's working at a museum. Like she's got it all figured out that lady. It seems like there's not a whole lot of like, Oh my God, I'm late for my appointment. Like Spider-Man is for yeah. everything always, you know, like, like wonder woman has it figured out. I, I, I want to take back my answer. I think it'd be like either Dr. Strange or John Constantine. Like I'd want to be the best in the world at like magic based stuff because they don't really exert themselves physically as much as the other heroes. Like I don't really, <laughs> I'm not really looking to like, I don't know, tear a meniscus while I'm in combat. You know, I, I prefer to just like wave my hands and say some incantations. Listen, I'll be a superhero, but can I take it easy? You know, I just, it's a little much. You know, if you've ever been laid up with a torn ACL, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I just wave a magic wand and everything will solve itself. I think that's a base. I understand all the wizard stuff now. It's everything's starting to yes. fall into place. <laughs> you don't need to work out if you're a wizard. Just wave it around. That's fine. Number 29. Is it cool watching a show based on a run written by a guy that used to work at our favorite local comic shop? Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. You know, it's a first see, time experience for me to see fraction get, get this far, you know, where 15 years ago he was working at a comic book shop. I mean, that is that, that you, you have traveled some ground. Good job. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And would still just kind of show up in the store every now and then, you know, you just, you'd walk in and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, what, what, what now? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of neat. Let's wrap it up. With question 30. Number 30, was this a good first episode? I loved it. Me too. Yeah, I, I think with the first two episodes, I think it was very smart of them to kind of release both of these together. Uh, because as and once I watched the first episode uh, last night, so everything has been very, very fresh for me still. Uh, but after that first episode, I was like, if this was the only episode that they put out, I think that this would have been a good ending. However, uh, it is, it's so much better because it's really the first part of kind of that two-part story. Once you have these first two episodes in there, you feel like you're finally starting to run with the show and get what everything is. The, there's enough of a cliffhanger with the first episode that kind of that hooks you just enough but it's nice that that second half is there to continue on and make you go, all right, for the next, what, six episodes, I think we said? Uh, yep. or, or four now. Four, four now with this. So for the next four episodes, uh, that'll be great. And especially if we're getting, you know, like they tend to do, one a week. They may do the you know last two on the last week. I don't know how, you know, weird stuff goes anymore with uh, these TV shows. But it's got me interested enough. You, you got me enough with that hook. So having... I think these these as your first two episodes, it's not as big of a deal as like you know Wandavision. You really needed those first two episodes because you would have you would have quite a, you alienated enough people with that show already. You would have done even worse if it was just one episode. But this having two, I think, is uh, appropriate. Agreed. Yeah. 
Well, that is it, everybody. Another 30 questions down in a brand new 30 question show. Uh, we do this uh, every week, and we would like to have some of your questions on the show, just like our fine listeners uh, that we had this episode. So uh, email us, marvel30q at gmail.com. The links are going to be in the show notes. Uh, try to keep your uh, questions nice and concise and everything, because Adam is a bad reader, and you guys all know that. But uh, we really appreciate anybody that uh, sends those in, and uh, we appreciate you reviewing us on iTunes, telling friends about it, and subscribing, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, Bruce, in the meantime, where can we find more of your work on the internet? I'm always encouraging folks to check out my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie, where I'm doing all kinds of uh, reactions and reviews of anime. Right now, working really uh, hardcore on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Attack on Titan, but of course, the new episodes of the Entertainment district arc of demon slayer going to start falling in about a week and i'll be covering all that as well uh i vote for more costume changes always with the costume i love it uh sean what else uh we've got a show we've been doing for almost eight years now called hero movie podcast check that out it's the three of us where each week we review uh some sort of nerdy comic book properties sort of and uh, uh, we relate everything back to Sylvester Stallone. Some said it was impossible, and we've been making the impossible possible for eight years. Hero Movie Podcast, check us out wherever you find podcasts. That is it, everybody. Join us next week when we're asking another 30 questions of Hawkeye for Sweet Sean's Kovacs for the Internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress, and none of this makes sense!